Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God, I thank you that the words that you give me today will not cause people to stumble, God. I pray that the words that you give me would be your words. Move me out of your way. Help them to not see a man, but hear God. I give you my heart, God. I give you my voice, God. I give you my mind. I do this for you. I do this because I love you. You said, if you love me, feed my sheep. God, they're not my reward. You are. You are my exceeding great reward. And I do this because I love you. Now help me, God. Give me an anointing to teach and feed your sheep this morning, God. Help them to hear, have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church this morning. You're soon to come. Soon, soon is the word because he's either soon to come or we're soon to go. So it's always soon, so we need to be ready. So may this message get us ready, God. May this message speak life into us. Love, identity, faith, and eternal purpose. Lead us into your rest in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give God praise one more time as we... Get ready to go into the Word of God this morning. I've been in a series called A Servant's Servant. God has had me there for quite some time, and it's, it's because he desires that you know this, that he didn't just save you to sit around. He saved you to also serve him. And Jesus Christ was the servant of all servants. He humbled himself and became a servant to men and we are now his servants, and today's message is entitled, A Worthy Sacrifice. So Jesus loved us by giving himself as a ransom for our sins. What does he expect in return? So what's the use of serving God? We're going to start in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I've been parked on this passage for uh, several months, and God is opening up the second part of this passage so that I might live it out, and I pray that as you hear it, that you would live it out as well. And it says this, I have been crucified with Christ. So this is the testimony of those of us who are born again. This is the testimony of those of us who say that we are Christians. Like, this is what your life looks like now, too many times we try to add God to our life. We want to keep living the way we desire to live, and we just add God to our life. But if God is really in your heart, and if God has really uh, saved you, then your life belongs to him now. It's not yours anymore. Can you say this with me? My life doesn't belong to me. So if you're a true child of God, you have to know this, that it's a narrow way to get to heaven. And the way to heaven is Jesus Christ. He's the stairway to heaven. And we have to do what he says do if we desire to see him and to meet him. I want to see all of you in heaven, okay? And this is the way. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me. Can you say that? Can you say that your life is over and now it's Jesus Christ living on the inside of you? And the life which I now live in the flesh, okay, so this is how a Christian lives now. First of all, that sinful you is dead and gone. That old carnal life is gone. It is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. Otherwise, we're just going through the motions. Otherwise, we're just showing up at church and singing songs. Like, I want to see you. We, we all go to eternity, but I want to see you in heaven. I want to see you in the kingdom of God. So your life as you were given, uh, when you were born, has to be dead and done with because you were born in sin. But when you were born again, you were given a new life and you were crucified with Christ. And now the way that you live in the flesh, you live by faith. Church, can you say faith? Faith is so important. Okay, listen to me. Forget about your feelings. Forget about your feelings. Your feelings will jack you up. 
your feelings will have you way over here when God is way over here. Forget about your feelings. We don't follow Jesus by our feelings. We follow him by faith. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, okay, who loved me and gave himself for me. So from now on, as Christians, you don't live by faith in your job. You don't live by faith in people. If you really want this thing to work, if you really want this new life to be activated, you've got to understand that you live by faith in the Son of God, and he's worthy of it. Why? Because he loved you and gave himself for you. So then what's the use of serving God? I don't want any of us to miss it, right? I've got a great responsibility on my life to tell you the truth, whether it makes you feel good or not. I've got a great responsibility on my life to tell you the truth because I'm going to be judged, right? Teachers are going to be judged more harshly than anyone. I've got to be willing to tell you the truth, even if it doesn't fill the church, because I'd rather fill heaven than fill the church, okay? I've got to tell you the truth about being a servant of God. So when you're born again, you don't just get say a prayer and keep living like you want to. You become a servant of God. Say this with me. I am a servant of God. Come on, who is this God then? If you serve God, who is he? He's a holy God, right? He's a righteous God. He's an everlasting God. He's a patient God and a loving God. And you should be like the God that you serve, okay? We serve this God. Let's go to Malachi chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. The question is, what's the use of serving God? Because many have said a prayer asking for the forgiveness of their sins, but are you truly a servant of God? That's how you want to be labeled. That's how you must be labeled. I am a servant of God. Because what's the alternative? The alternative is to be a servant of sin, to be a servant of Satan, to be a child of Satan. And that's not what we desire to be. We desire to be children and servants of God. But what's the use of serving him? Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, says this, and this is God talking. You have said terrible things about me, says the Lord. But you say, what do you mean? What have we said against you? You have said, what's the use of serving God? What have we gained by obeying the commands or by trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we are sorry for our sins? From now on, we will call the arrogant blessed. For those who do evil get rich, and those who dare to punish them suffer no harm. So church, they're saying in this passage, what's the use of serving God? Because as we've tried to serve God, we just see everybody else getting blessed. We see the wicked prospering. What have we gained from following his commands? What have we gained from abstaining from sins and giving him our whole life? What's in it for us is what these people are saying. Here's how the Lord responded in verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other, and the Lord listened to what they said. In his presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. So even back then, the names were recorded. Do you know that right now, that if you are going to heaven right now that your name is recorded in the Lamb's book of life, that it's recorded, that it's, it is there if you are going, right? So even back then, they began, to write, they began to look around and write down the names of those who were faithful and honored God. And then God spoke in verse 17. They will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's armies. On the day when I act in judgment, Okay, okay, so this lets us know that there's a coming day of judgment. On this day, when I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. Listen to that. God is calling those who serve him and love him. In the end, when it's all said and done, you and we, we are going to be his own special treasure. Listen to what he says. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. 
So there are going to be some who are cast into darkness. There will be some who will be cast into hell. But God said, I'm not going to do that to everyone. I'm going to spare some. Now, if any of you had brothers and sisters at the house, there were times where they got whooped, but you didn't, right? Because your room was clean. And in that moment, you said, praise the Lord. I'm so glad I made my bed this morning because mama's got the leather out, right? And you saw your, your siblings get in trouble, but you were spared. Why? Because you did right. Do you want to be spared, church? Do you want to be spared from the judgment of God? then the, the important thing that you need to realize is that you need to be a servant of God. You need to be faithful to God. You need to honor God. Because listen to me, nobody gets a pass. Because there were times when everybody got spanked. Why? Because nobody would fess up. Because since mom didn't see it happen, and nobody wants to fess up, then everybody got a spanking. But God's eyes are everywhere, right? He sees it all. And because he sees it all, his judgment is righteous and pure, and he knows whose hearts are obedient and towards him. Verse 18, listen up very carefully. This is the meat of the question of uh, what's the use of serving God? This is the benefit of serving God. In verse 18, um, it says this, verse 15 rather, where were we? 18. Then you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. So do you see the importance of serving God? Because there's a difference between them, all right? Either you're serving yourself and we're serving sin or we're serving God, and there's a difference between us, God says. Now, who then are his true servants? Church, I really want you to get this. I really want you to understand this, that not everybody who says they're a Christian are Christians. Not everyone who says that they're following God is following God. And I want to make sure that your feet are on the right path because I don't want any, I love you all so much that I don't want any of us to be lost. And we've got to be true servants, right? Because Jesus, the, the word says this, Many people honor him with their mouths, but their hearts are far from him. So we've got to have our mouth and heart aligned. So who then are his true servants? Let's go to Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 29. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that Holy Spirit, that you would come upon these people as they hear these words, God, and it will register as true to them. Lord, your word is alive and powerful, God. And I pray that as the, they hear these words, that it would pierce their hearts and minds, God, and remove any blinders that the enemy has placed on them, that they might have life everlasting with you, Jesus, because you love us and you died to show us that. We're in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21. It says this. Listen to this. This is for everyone, okay? Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do. Church, can you say do? Okay, so we have to be service. We can't just say that we belong to him. There should be activity. There should be fruit. There should be evidence, okay? Not, though, not only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Okay, so we know that we have to be born again, but Jesus is adding and saying this as well, that we've got to be servants. And what do we serve? We serve the will of his Father. So as you think about this today, if you really call yourself a servant, you've got to ask yourself, do I go about doing the will of my father? Or do I mainly just do what I want to do and then ask God to bless me when I need him? As if God is my servant. Come on, church, let's be real today. How often are we saying, God, I serve you. How, what do you need from me today? I give you my life, okay? Because he says this, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of the Father in heaven will enter. Verse 22. On judgment day. Church, can you say judgment day? Judgment. Can you say it again? Judgment day. Judgment. So this is a day that's coming. 
right? This is a day that's coming. And for those of us who are saved, it's going to be an amazing day. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. And the front of this passage, it says, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. So those are the ones that are known by him. So if you do God's will, you are known by him. And even if we don't do his will, he still knows us. Verse 24, this is so important because many of us have been coming to church for years and we've heard Bible verses for years and we can quote verses and quote scripture. But listen to this, verse 24 Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock, though the rain comes in torment, torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds begin to beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and flood come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. How many of you in this room have ever been through any kind of storm in your life? Whether it be a natural storm or just something in your life just felt like a storm, right? The way that we continue to stand and the way that we be storm ready is by being obedient to the word of God and doing what he says. He protects us from the storm. Verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. So as I was praying this morning about the message, uh, and I heard this verse, God uh, spoke this verse to me in my heart, that not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter. And then he says, depart from me, I never knew you. But it seems to me that those who said, you know, didn't we prophesy in your name and didn't we cast out demons in your name? I said, Lord, they were still serving you, so why don't they enter? They, they were servants, but why don't they enter? And here's what he said to me. He doesn't want service without sacrifice. Many people can do things in his name, but that doesn't mean that they were sent. It doesn't mean that he said to do them, Right. When you have the heart of the Father, you have the, the, the voice of the Father. Because the word says, my sheep know my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. So what we have to learn in this passage is that there's a difference between doing things in his name and doing them in response to his voice because you know him. So today we're going to talk about a servant sacrifice. What does he desire from him? And something that we must realize is that if it's not all about him, then it's all about us because God can never be second place. I want you to hear that. And if you're writing down notes, write that down. This is something that you really need to hear. If it's not all about him, if our life is not all about him, if he's not first, then it is all about us. John 1.29 says this as, required, as it uh, references sacrifice. John 1.29, it says this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, Jesus is a servant, right? And this servant, Jesus, came to take something away from the world. So just like many of you are already placing your Crackle Barrel get ready in line uh, notification, right? You're, you're checking in at Texas Roadhouse saying, well, hey, I'll be here. I want to get in line now while he's preaching. Uh, he probably thinks I'm on my phone looking at the verse, but I'm checking in at Texas Roadhouse right now, right? When you get there... At some point, you're going to want the, the waitress or the waiter to take things away from the table because a good servant takes things away, right? And so Jesus, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And how did he take away the sin of the world? By giving himself away, by becoming a sacrifice, by dying on the cross for our sin. We are a servant service, so we must be willing to follow suit. Let's look at Luke chapter 9, verses 22 through 24. 
and it says this. Here's a servant sacrifice. I want you guys to get this, right? I don't want it, I don't want it ever to be said that Pastor Damien, uh, it, he just made it seem like all we had to do was come to church or all we had to do was give an offering or all we had to do was worship. No, no, don't ever let it be said that that's all I said you have to do to be saved, okay? That's not all you have to do. That's the fruit of being saved. That's the fruit of loving God. But what you have to do to be saved is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ who died for your sins and to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So we've got to upgrade ourselves to servants, right? Some of us think that it's below us to be a servant, but we've got to upgrade to really being a servant. And here's what he said in Luke 9, 22. The son of man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed on the third day. He will raise from the dead. Then he said to the crowd, right? So this is Jesus talking. So let your ears open right now. I want you to be saved. I want you to be a servant of God. I want you to know how to serve God, right? If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way or your life and take up your cross daily and follow me. Listen, church, listen. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up my life, if you, but if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. Come on, that's the price. Like, that's the price. Like, none of us can just go to a, a, a hotel and ask for the best room if we're not willing to pay the best price. So what is the sacrifice that, uh, uh, that we must pay to Jesus Christ in order to receive uh, the, the label of servant or disciple? We must be willing to do what he said do. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way or your own life, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your own life, you will lose it. Church, listen. If we want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. If we want to hear him say, ah, you were mine. I knew you. You were faithful. Then we've got to take this command to heart right now and begin to say, it's not about me. Church, can you say this with me? It's not about me. So you've got to give your life away to Jesus, the one that saved it. He paid for it. He deserves it. So to be known, his known disciples, we must give, we must uh, take up our cross daily and deny ourselves and follow him. But that's not something we like to do. We don't like diets. We don't like saving money. We don't like anything that requires us to feel like we have to hold back and we have to give up something. But we must know this, that if we are truly a follower of Jesus Christ, then there will be sacrifices to make. And church, I'm, I'm just, ugh. We're, we're living in a world right now where we want everything the world has when he's teaching us that we have to actually hate the world, not the people of the world, but the systems and ways of the world. He's asking us to deny ourselves of these sinful pleasures that we might be servants to him. Because here's what happens. If we don't deny ourselves, then we begin to serve ourselves again. So you must first tell yourself no before you can tell God yes. And that's so important to understand. So then, let's go to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. And it says this, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he's done for you. Man, so, wow. Wow. So in, in that moment just there, I, I almost felt like um, this was a flashback. I almost felt like we were on the other side and God allowed me to look into this space and time and see that I was telling you the way to go, that you were being told how to be saved. And only the obedient will make it to the other side. Listen to me. I'm telling you all right now how to get there. But only those who will obey these words will be on the other side. So uh, it's almost as if that this could be a record used against us. So that none of us could ever appear before God and say, God, I didn't know. This is the knowing. 
This is the teaching. This is the truth that we may know these things. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I beg you, give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. So we must give our bodies to God and our bodies become the holy place. Uh, I was talking to my brother Tremaine uh, last Wednesday night after Bible study, and I, I told him it's a shame sometimes that we treat this building with more respect than we do our body, right? For example, there are some things that we would never say in this building. There are some things we would never watch in this building. There are some thoughts that we'd never have in this building. Why? Because we reverence this building. We say, this is the house of God. I would never listen to that kind of music in the house of God. I would never watch that in the house of God. I would never raise my voice and, and, and tell my wife she's this and, or fight with my wife in the house of God. Why? Because I reverence this place. This is a holy place. I've been taught since I was a child. Don't run in the church. Don't throw a paper in the church. Honor, honor God. Be quiet and do this. Sit down, be still. We talk, we talk all this decorum about this building that's made with men's hands. But what God is really looking for is to us, for us to honor him with our bodies, right? He says, give your body to God that it might be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is truly the way to worship him. And verse 2 tells us this, and we got to be very careful of this. TikTok is funny. Instagram is funny. Facebook, all that stuff, all right? Within its perspective, it can be a good thing, but outside of its perspective, it can be a very terrible thing. Television and movies, within their perspective, can be a good thing, but outside of it can be a terrible thing. Why? Because of verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So then, church, what does self-sacrifice look like? Uh, we must give him ourself. We must give him our life so he can fill it with himself. So some of you might begin to say, then, what about me? What about me? Like, I've been trying to serve God. I've been trying to live for God, but it seems like so many other people are ahead of me. Like, when is it my turn? When will I be blessed? When will he answer my prayers? What about me? Romans 8, 28 tells us this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good. Uh, and a lot of people stop there. They misquote it and say, God causes everything to work together for my good. No, there's more. You got to finish the verse, right? So I'm trying to teach you servants. I want to see you have the best that God has for you. Uh, I don't want you going through any kind of trouble without a result, okay? And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who what? Love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So what we have to decide is this. Are you living for his purpose? Think about this. Are you at this time living for the purpose in which God sent you here? And if you don't know what that purpose is, it is service. It is to serve God. You were put here to serve God and love God so that you can spend all of eternity with him. And you have to know this as well, that a servant lives to please the one that they serve. So the reason I... Uh, and even here in Lima and a pastor at all is because I gave my life to Jesus and he told me to move back to Lima from Columbus, Ohio and to help my dad at the church. And after serving under him for uh, probably 11 years or so as an elder, I then became the pastor. I didn't ask to be a pastor, right? Nobody in their right mind wants to be a pastor, right? Do you agree, pastor? Nobody in their right mind would desire to be a pastor because it is a heavy burden. So you've got to have an anointing 
to do it. But because I serve God, I said yes to the position of becoming a pastor. But I want you all to know something, too, that maybe you're not called to be a pastor, but you're still called to serve. Come on. Your life is for service to God. We've got to flip this thing around. The world has made us worldly in thinking that we serve God for things. No, we don't serve God for things. We're blessed with things because we serve God, okay? And we have to understand that God loves us and he has purposed us to serve him and it is an honor to serve him. But here's a question the Lord has for us, church, and we've got to wake up because time is running out, all right? I can't preach candy-coated messages to you when time is running out. And Luke 6, 46 says this. It's a devastating question that Jesus asked his servants, and I've got to ask the same thing of us today. Father, open our ears to hear what you're about to say in your word right now, and may it register with us where we are. Luke 6, 46 says this. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Can you imagine being a disciple there who's always, hey, Lord, hey, Lord, hey, Lord, hey, Lord. And he turns around and says, why do you keep calling me Lord when you don't do what I say? So in order for him to be our Lord, it means that we are doing what he says. Church, are you doing what he says? Church, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you led by the Spirit of God? How often are you hearing God talk to you and tell you to do things, right? Now, there's things that we know that we're supposed to do automatically. We're supposed to pray automatically. We're supposed to worship and love and help people automatically. But still, there are times when the Holy Spirit will whisper a message to you and say, I want you to do this and expect you to do it because he's Lord. Amen? Amen. All right. So then, what is the size of your sacrifice? And we're just about finished here. What is the size of your sacrifice? So those of you who I, when I said, well, what's the benefit of serving God? And I, I can't seem to get God's attention. I can't seem to get the things that I desire or I have need of, the, the extra blessings uh, in my life. So we have to ask ourselves, what's the size of our sacrifice? I want you to listen here in 1 Chronicles 28, 9 through 10. David is on his deathbed, and here are his last words, some of his last words to Solomon. Here's what he says. And Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship and serve. Church, can you say worship and serve? Worship and serve serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. So take this seriously. The Lord has chosen you to build a temple as a sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. So he didn't call any of us to build a temple or a sanctuary, but he did call us to build something. He he called us to build the body of Christ. So every single one of you that is a Christian, you have a responsibility to use the gifts that God has given you, and yes, you have them, to build the body of Christ. That's why we fellowship together. That's why there must be churches. That's why there has to be a community of believers because they all serve one another. So don't listen to this new garbage out there saying that you don't you don't need to belong to a church yes you do because you don't have every gift right you can't do it all so there has to be a community of believers who all have gifts that serve each other and build each other up that's so important okay so that's what David said to his son Solomon and he ended with be strong and do the work so God is saying this to us today be strong and do the work why else are we still alive unless there's still work to do. The reason you're still alive is because there's still purpose in you. There's still a reason that God needs you here. You're not here just so that you can see your kids get married or graduate. You're not here so you can retire from your job, right? People die before all those things happen. So if you've still got breath in your body, you need to begin to say, God, why am I still here? I don't, I don't want to come to you and my purpose not be fulfilled. Church, can you say this with me, please? It's not about me. It's not about me. 
the more it is about you, the less it is about God. And you've got a work to do for God, the one that saved you. So, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that your people would arise, hallelujah, that your people would arise in purpose. You made them for a purpose. And yes, some of us have been to college or the police academy or training uh, and, and different institutions, God, but that's not our only purpose. You made us for a divine purpose that we might be salt and light to this world, that they might see our good works, God, and glorify our Father in heaven. Our purpose is divine. Our purpose is divine, God, because you made us and you put us in time. Why are these people still alive, God? One reason you're still alive is because God is very merciful towards you. He's waiting for you to make him Lord of your life because it is not his desire that any of you perish. All right, we're going to 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. And I'm going to paraphrase this. But there were, they used to go, they didn't have a permanent temple at the time. So at local places of worship, they would offer sacrifices to God. And I want you to hear about this, okay? So those of you that are saying, I don't feel like I, I, I'm living my purpose. I don't like, feel like I see God moving in my life. I really want God to fling doors open for me. I really want God's attention. I really want his blessing on my life. This, this, this passage is for you. Verse 3 says this, Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father, David, except that Solomon, too, offered sacrifices and burnt incense at the places of local worship. The most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings. Church, how many? 1,000. I can't hear you. How many? 1,000. Solomon. Come on, this, could, this would have took all day. Sacrifice 1,000 burnt offerings to his God because he loved them that much. That was the size of his sacrifice. Come on now. Don't tell me you love God, but there's no sacrifice that follows, right? He said, this Bible said, the Bible says this, that Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father. And he went and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings. Offerings. Remember what the Lord said at the beginning of the message. Some people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. How does he know that? Because the size of your love, the passion that you have towards God will be matched with an equal sacrifice. So for God so loved the world, okay, you're talking about love. How much do you love me? What's the size of your sacrifice? That he gave his only begotten son. Come on, guys. Come on. If we, man, if we really love God, then there's going to be sacrifice. And unfortunately, many of us have been duped into thinking that we serve this God who doesn't require sacrifices. He does require sacrifice. And the sacrifice that he wants most from you is you. Come on. He doesn't want your stuff. He wants you. Your stuff means nothing to God, but you mean everything to God. And occasionally, you're going to give stuff to God because he belongs to you, and you're going to say, God, I've got nothing else to give you, but I want to offer you this. I want to sacrifice some time. I want to sacrifice money. I want to sacrifice whatever it is that you're asking for. So Solomon sacrificed 1,000 offerings to God, and then verse 5 says this, that night. Church, can you say that night? Now, I want, you to, I want you to say it like we're not at a, oh, Lord, help me not offend anybody. Okay, let's just not say it soft, all right? Say that night. That night. Again, that night. That night. All right, so we see Solomon sacrifice a thousand offerings, right? And church, can you say that night? Come on, come on. I hope it's clicking right now. See, you've been saying, God, where are you? Why aren't doors opening? God, how, what's my purpose? God, how come I'm not moving forward? Where is this? Where is that? Solomon says, God, Solomon just doesn't say, God, I love you a thousand times. He didn't say, God, I love you. God, I love you. No, he, he sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. 
God's not asking you to sacrifice a thousand burnt offerings. He's only asking you to sacrifice one. You. You are the offering that God requires. Your whole life, come on, your whole life live for God, right? It doesn't make sense to the world that you would do that, but the world's not the one that saves you. The world doesn't have a heaven to put you in. Verse 5, that night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, come on, what do you want? <laughs> wow. God appears to Solomon and says, what do you want? Now, listen, I can smell one drumstick cooking on the grill from 0.3 miles away. What does a thousand offerings smell like in heaven to God? Right? Overwhelmed by this love. Overwhelmed by this aroma. And listen to me. Solomon's sacrifice was so attractive to God, it says that he came down himself and says, what do you want? Come on. That's how you get God's attention. When you say, God, I love you so much that I'm willing to sacrifice my all. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. And we know, church, that all that Solomon asked for was wisdom to serve God's people. That's all he asked for. And since he didn't ask for riches or the life of his enemies or anything like that, God gave him great wisdom and great riches. But you must always remember this. When God appeared to Solomon and asked what he wanted, his request was related to his purpose. Come on. He didn't ask for anything that he couldn't use for his purpose. Come on, church. This is, a, this is a huge blues clue right now, right? He asked for something that was related to his purpose. So God doesn't answer prayer sometimes. Why? Because we ask amiss. We ask from lust. We ask so that we can consume these things. But I guarantee you, if you start asking God for things that are related to your purpose, he will give them to you. And then he will turn around and bless you with the things that you did not even ask for. Come on. Be servants of God and you'll have everything you need. Be servants of God and you'll have everything you need. Listen, my credit score was low, low, right? So it, out of 12 pages, the score printed on the 12th page because it was just that low, right? And I wanted a house. I wanted a nice home. I wanted to, to live somewhere where my kids could play in a big backyard somewhere that was safe, a nice place. But my credit score was low, real low. How low was it? It was low, Right? And I just began to say, God, you know, I'm serving you. You're the one that told me to move to Lima. And I did it, right? I came back out of obedience to you. And we need a home, God. Lord, please help me. I obeyed you. Come on, church. It, hallelujah. If you can go to God and say, God, I've been obedient. Isn't that just like our children when they come to us? Mama, clean my room. And mama did the dishes, and mama folded the laundry. Can I go outside and play now? Well, kids don't even say that no more, do they? They're just always right there on their phone with it. Anyway, can I go to the movies? Can, I, can we go get ice cream? You're like, yes. You did everything I asked for? Yes, come on, let's go, right? Church, all I'm asking you to be is obedient servants to God. Serve him with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. Then when you go to ask him for things, he'll do it. So I went to the lender, right, who first had to deny me and say, your credit score is too low. So then I went back to God and began to pray, and he told me what bills to pay off and what to begin to do. He showed me these things because God gives you wisdom. Then I went back to the, the creditor, uh, maybe 60 days later or something like this, and she looks at me and she says, she says this, uh, I have been one of the top lenders in the area for a long time. I have seen tons of loan documents come across my desk. I have worked with lots of people 
she said, but Mr. Tibbs, I have never, church, can you say never? never? I have never seen someone's credit go that high in that short amount of a time. Do you know, come on, praise God for that. That can be your testimony too, right? He's not a respecter of, perfect, of, of persons. I'm saying live a life that's a thousand sacrifices. Come on, live a life where you're carrying the cross. And that's all he said. I want you to pick up your cross and deny yourself. So every day we can offer a thousand sacrifices. What's that look like? No, I'm not going to look at that. No, I'm not going to go there. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to worship. I'm going to offer a thousand sacrifices to God every day. Why? Not out of, not out of obligation, but because I love him. Come on. Do you not know that the one that you are serving died for you? That he saved you from everlasting torment? And now he's saying, all I require of you is just serve me. Just serve me. Let's, let's finish this out. I want to tell you about a servant's future and then we'll be done. What's in it for us? What's in it for the servants of God? Revelations chapter 2, verses 1 through 6 will be our final passage. So you can check in. If you, some of you have been holding, you can now press check in at Texas Roadhouse or wherever you're going. We're wrapping it up. Listen to what a servant's future sounds like. First of all, I need to say this. Do you know how blessed you are to be in time right now? You're in time right now, which means it's not too late. You're in time right now, meaning that God's grace is here, that even if you haven't been serving God or, or, or loving him with all your heart, you are in time. So in time, there is time to get it right because here's the future of the servant. Revelations 22, one through six says this. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants, church, can you say his servants? So we're here now, but we'll be there later, right? And his servants will worship him and they will see his face. Come on, we're gonna see his face. And his name will be written on their foreheads and there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun for the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. Then the angel said to me, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God, who inspires his prophets, has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. Can you please stand this morning? All God is asking from us is us. He wants what he paid for. None of you would go to Tom All pick out your dream car, pay for the car, and then walk home. You would take with you what you paid for. So what I'm trying to tell you this morning is that Jesus paid for you, right? And since he paid for you, he wants you. He wants what he paid for. And he requires that you serve him while you're here. Why? Because there's many people that don't know him. Why? Because there's many people in your church that need your gift. They need your encouragement. They need prophecy. They need words of wisdom. They need healing. They need interpretation. They need all these things because the body of Christ is supposed to work together. He is the head, but we are the body. So we must serve him. And church, please hear my heart on this we got to stop serving him with our feelings. Like, why, why are our feelings leading the way of our service, right? Well, I just don't feel like going. I just don't feel like praying. I just don't feel like reading. Like, we are allowing a part of us that's supposed to be dead to rule again. 
God's not asking, do you feel like it? I mean, listen to how disrespectful this is. If you tell your child to do something and they say, I don't feel like it, growing up in my house, I wouldn't have got that sentence all the way out, right? So we, don't, we, we would expect that to be great disrespect if our father or mother asks us to do something and we say, I just don't feel like it. What? That is so dishonorable. It's not about your feelings. Church, please confess this with me. It's not about my feelings. So it doesn't matter if you feel tired. It doesn't matter if you feel hungry. It doesn't matter what you feel because Christ died for you in spite of the way it made him feel. So we don't serve God with our feelings. Please, let's move our feelings out of the way and serve them with gladness. Father, I've given them the message that you have given me today to give them. Uh, you, you, you want this. It's training for servanthood. All these messages, Lord, you're having me teach them what it looks like to be a servant, God. Yes, we're sons. Yes, we're daughters. But we're sons and daughters who serve God. So as we go throughout the day today, may we have our cross on so that we might offer a thousand sacrifices. When the time comes to tell somebody just the way we feel about them because they made us angry, we sacrifice that. When the time comes to worry about something, we sacrifice that. No, we don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. When someone does something to us, uh, whether it be today or in the past, and they haven't asked for our forgiveness, they've hurt us greatly, and we're still angry and mad about that, that's a sacrifice. We sacrifice that, and that becomes an aroma in your nose, God. If you want to be my disciples, pick up your cross and deny yourself. Sacrifice yourself and follow me. Father, I pray in Jesus' name as we leave this church today that we leave knowing that if today was our last day on this earth, that we would see your face in peace. Not just because we said a prayer at some time on an altar, even on our knees, but when we rose up from that prayer, when we walked away from that prayer, we walked away from our lives to become servants. We walked away from our lives to become servants. Why? Because you said if we seek to save our life, we lose it. But if we lose it for your sake, we find it. Father, I pray your blessings upon everyone here today as we leave, prepare to leave this place, God. Father, you know that we start compel on Wednesday night at 6.30. I don't know where these people will be Wednesday night at 6.30, God, but you do. Would you give them a heart to serve? Would you give them a mind to serve? It's easy to listen to a message about service, but when it's time to serve, that's when the sacrifice is required. So this Wednesday at 6.30, we go out into the neighborhood. We pull wagons to offer water, two kinds, the water that will satisfy their, their thirst on a hot day and the living water, Jesus Christ. We will open up our parking lot for a prayer service, God, a drive-through prayer service. So we've had so many people pull into that parking lot, God, with tears in their eyes saying, I need prayer. But Father, I got a question. Who will be in that parking lot to meet the cars? What servants will be here to serve? God, only you know. And may your Holy Spirit lead all you desire to be here. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. If I could have elders and uh, some of the prayer team come forward now, we're going to dismiss this service.